passage of scripture this morning, <clears throat> but I think of that great parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and I often think of those, you know, this, this man, the story, Jesus tells this parable of a man who was on his way, right? He was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and it was a, a small, uh, long, but small, dusty road, and there was a, a place there where it would go through the mountains, and it was the most dangerous place, actually, to be out walking by foot. And, and so this man starts his journey, and then all of a sudden, these thieves stop him, and these thieves uh, rob him, and they take everything from him, and we're even told in this parable that they are, he is stripped naked, they even take his clothes, they take his money, and then he is beaten, and he's left for dead, Jesus says. So it's, it's as if he's gone, and the people just walk away. He's left there in the ditch. And along comes a priest, you know, the man of God. The man who is supposed to be God's representative to the people, and the people's representative to God, and he comes in, and he sees the man in the ditch, and he doesn't even bother to go over and check on him or see how he's doing. He just walks on by on his way to worship. <laughs> so Jesus says this, you know, he didn't even want to dirty his hands with this man's problems. And then the Levite comes along, and he's under the tribe of Levi. He is the one that's that part of God's people, right, that we're supposed to be the servants to the other tribes. And, and he's also supposedly a godly man because he's a Levi. And what does he do? He walks on the other side of the road. And the man is just left there, left to himself. They totally ignored his pain and ignored his condition, ignored the opportunity to come to him. And you know, if we were to be honest today, we would say there are times where we have been hurting. There have been times where we've been the one, where we feel like we've been beaten and broken and laying on the side of the road. And sometimes some of us can say that even the religious walked on past and never took the time to even see if we were doing okay. And I want to say today, there's a lot of hurting people in our world. It doesn't matter today if your hurting is physical, but there are those who are hurting financially, mentally, spiritually, relationally, and they're just hurting. And I want to say today that it is time for us, it is possible for us to move, to move from hurting to healing. I believe that today. I've always believed it, and I will continue to believe it until the Lord takes me home. That God is in the business of healing, hurting people. Do you believe that today? Amen. And could it just be today that God is wanting to move some people in this church at the sound of my voice from hurting to healing? I believe that. Our passage today, as Scott read for us, is that very short few verses, right, of, of Jesus now healing this leper. And our passage today, it's, it's where Jesus comes down from the mount. In Matthew, <clears throat> the nugget of Jesus' teaching is that Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know what Jesus taught, you just go right to Matthew 6, 
5, 6, and 7. That is the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus comes down from the mount now, and this is where we see these chapters of healing that begins to happen. And the leper is the first one. Uh, Matthew was speaking to a Jewish audience, and so it's kind of interesting that he is, he is comparing this metaphor just like Moses came down the mountain to give the law. Here is Jesus coming down to bring life and healing to this man. And we see, as we watch this story, we see this man's encounter with Jesus. And as he encounters Jesus, there's some things we can learn today from it. First of all, you know, we're out of touch with leprosy today. It can be very much healed with a few pills, not so in Jesus' day. Leprosy, you know, this man's condition, there was these nodules that would begin to grow on a person with leprosy, so much so that it would begin to deform their faces. Actually, the ancients said they often begin to resemble more of a lion, and that was what they would say about them. And the nodules would be all over their body, and, and they would even begin to exude a foul odor at one point, and, and so it was just a terrible, terrible disease. His voice would become hoarse. He would even lose his recognizable voice because now his vocal cords would be affected by the disease. His respiratory and breathing would be uh, affected by the disease. He would wheeze. He was a person who would be wheezing when he even tried to speak or function or move around. There was so much we could talk about the disease, but we will not today. The average course of this disease was nine years. And it would end in mental decay, a coma, and ultimately death. And so this leper becomes repulsive to everyone he meets. And eventually he becomes repulsive even to himself. This is his condition. And so we see he's unclean, but he's also, I mean, he's diseased, but he's also unclean. He's also impure. He is considered unclean, and therefore he's condemned. Leviticus 13, 46 said that. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. See, they called the leprosy the finger of God. That God was pointing to that person in judgment. And they called it the finger of God. And some of the reasons why is because if you look at the Old Testament, when you know when Moses was reluctant to do what God was asking him to do, that his hand, God made his hand leprous to show him how powerful God was, and then God healed Moses' hand. And then there was the wonderful sister, Miriam, who was afflicted with leprosy because she decided she was going to go against her brother, God's anointed. Now, there's a message right there. Do not touch God's anointed. And so Miriam was going counter her, her brother that God had put in leadership. And then she becomes leprous. And Moses, the very one she went against, God's anointed, intercedes and prays for her. And God lifts the curse off Miriam. And then there was King Uzziah who entered the holy place and he decided he didn't need the priest, he didn't need the leaders, he was going to bring his own holy offering before God and God gave him the disease of leprosy. And he died with it. 
He was never healed of it. So in Jesus' day, when you've got leprosy, they all decided, well, that's the finger of God, and now you are the guilty one. You're the unclean one. You're the impure one. You're the one judged by God. And so this man is diseased, but he's going around condemned. And of course, part of the law was he had to shout to everyone as he walked through the streets, unclean, unclean, and everyone would shudder and take off. And so even as he walked or functioned in in around community, he knew And he felt the shame of the finger of God upon him. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Then there's not just the disease and being unclean, but he was separated. Because the second part of that verse in Leviticus says, He shall dwell alone outside of camp. Now, we've been struggling with eight days of isolation. (laughs) 14 days of isolation. Well, kill me now, as a good Newfie would say. I can't handle that. (laughs) This man is now utterly isolated. No one can touch him. No one can be around him. Not even his dear mother that gave birth to him, or his siblings, or his friends, or the ones where he used to enter into the house of the Lord They all now have deserted him. They can't be around him. The law says that he is to be alone. He is to be outside of the camp. You know, historically, they have found out the rabbis used to torture these guys with their words. And one of them, they can actually find even historically, they used to brag about all the nasty things they did to them. And one of the rabbis actually bragged historically that he threw rocks at them and thought that was a wonderful thing. God have mercy. And so we see this man is separated, and we also see that his condition is incurable. There was no cure for leprosy in that day. And so it really made him dead while still alive. That's how they saw it. And that's what they believed, that that even Josephus, the historian, said that lepers were to be treated as if they were, in effect, dead men. Dead men. Oh, they were alive, but they were no longer to be treated that way. It is told that in the Middle Ages that priests would find somebody, would come to the priest when they found out that they had leprosy, and the priest would then take him into the sanctuary, and together the priests would then do their burial service while they were standing there alive. That's how hopeless, that's how fatal it was for them. And so we see this man is diseased, unclean, separated, and incurable. But now we see this encounter with Jesus. And we see how this man approaches Jesus. And one of the beautiful things in this passage, verse 2, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so he comes approaching Jesus with confidence. He knows that Jesus is the one answer. Remember I said to you, no one's been healed. This is incurable. And yet he comes to Jesus believing that Jesus can heal him. Do you know there has not been a healing of a leper at this point for 800 years? The last one recorded was Elisha and Naaman. And Naaman is not even a Jew. He's an outsider. That is the last known healing of leprosy. And yet this man has enough faith to believe that Jesus can heal him. 
And so he comes to Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. We know that he came with confidence, but he also came in humility. He didn't come demanding. You know, we live in a day of entitlement, don't we? That we demand and think everything is ours and our rights. And I'll tell you, through COVID, I've even seen more of that. And even in the church, that certain activities and services and all the things, it's my entitlement to have what I want when I want it, Pat. Didn't come demanding. This man came in humility, broken. If you will, Lord. If you will, Lord. Dio vole, God willing. <laughs> he came broken and contrite in spirit. We know that's how God wants us to come. If my people will what? Humble themselves. We want to pray for revival. We want to get to all of that, but we forget the vehicle of it is brokenness and a contrite spirit and humility. And then we know he comes to worship. He comes and worship. How do we know that? Well, some of your translations will say that he fell at his feet. Others will say he fell and worshipped. He worshipped at his feet. There's different words and translations the way they say it. But it is because the word that's used there was the word that was used to worship the divine. And so in that moment, he's falling at Jesus' feet, and he is worshiping Jesus as God in that moment. And so it is an act of worship. It is not just, you know, brokenness. It is not just humility that he's at his feet, but he is actually at his feet in a place of worship. And then from worship, we see that he made known his need. Scripture says, you have not because you ask not. He says to Jesus, make me clean. Make me clean, Lord. I come to you in this condition. <clears throat> he's acknowledging that he's unclean. He's acknowledging his shame. He's acknowledging what he's been going through and all that has been there. And he says to Jesus, make me clean, Lord. Here's my condition. This is who I am. As we say that old expression, warts and all. Warts and all. This is who I am. This is my need. Come, Lord Jesus, I come to you. And of course, we don't leave our passage there today. We look at Jesus' response. Jesus responds in compassion. Jesus, we are told, that if anyone had touched a person according to Jewish law, that person now was unclean. Uh, they were supposed to stay a distance. And Jesus comes up and he begins to step towards the man. And I, I want you to hear this. This is so important for us to get this. Jesus wasn't concerned about being infected by the man's leprosy. He knew that he was coming to infect him with the power of God and healing. And that's another whole different message there, but we have said repeatedly that that's what holiness is. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. I don't withdraw from people and protect myself. I actually step into their mess, not because of Betty Zita, but I step into their mess because I bring the Holy Spirit and the power of God with me, and that begins to change and transform them. 
not the other way around. For too long, we have made holiness about protectionism. I've got to withdraw. That's how I've got to be holy. You're only holy then because you're doing it on your own strength and not being dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And so Jesus is not afraid of being infected by this man's leprosy, even though it was contagious. And I'm sure everybody around there is shuddering. And what is he doing? Instead of him running, instead of him fleeing, he's literally moving towards this man and he's stepping towards him. And we are told that Jesus did three things here, which is very powerful. He touched him. He touched him. Jesus goes towards the man and he reaches out in compassion and he touched him. Oh, my friends, in this day as the church, I believe there are still many people who feel untouchable, hurting, unlovable, and they are waiting for the church to reach out and touch them. See, if we call ourselves Christians, the title means what? Little Christ. And if we are little Christ, then we should be doing Christ's work and business. And Christ's work and business is to step into people's hurt and mess and touch them with the love of Christ. That's how God brings healing, even for us, as we move today in compassion. Jesus reached out and touched this man, and he didn't cure him from the other side of the room. He didn't look at him with sorrow and say, wow, I'm really sorry for what you're going through. I wish there was something I could do and walk away. Jesus literally entered into the man's pain and struggle, and he touched him. Oh, he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. He stepped into your mess and touched you. He reached out and touched you. Then there's the word. Speak the word, Lord. (laughs) He speaks the word. He says, be clean. (laughs) Be clean. There's a point here we need to realize. Notice he didn't come to Jesus and say, take my leprosy away. Heal me of my disease. He says to the Lord, make me clean. Make me restored. Give me your wholeness. Give me your shalom. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, make me clean. And in one word, one word, (laughs) Jesus says, be clean. Whole. God's shalom and peace. Made right. Total, total transformation. Not just of his physical disease, but total transformation. And so we see this touch in the Word of God, and we also see the power of God. Why do we know that here? Again, it's something you wouldn't pick up in English. I never knew this before, but there's a word play that's happening here in the Greek. And what's happening is, in the original Greek, he comes up to Jesus and he says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
The word there is dunamahi, and it's a declaration of Jesus. You are able, you are capable. If you want to, I know you are the one who can do this. And Jesus responds to him. In English, we say, I am willing, but actually, Jesus, the word that's there is dunamis, where he says, I am the powerful one. I am the one who can do this for you. I am capable. We know in John's gospel, when Jesus uses that term, I am, that it's referring to his deity, that he is God. And so this man says, I know that you can do this. I know if you are willing. I know you are capable. And Jesus steps in in his power in that moment and says, I am. I am. I'm able to do this because I am who I am. And so we see the power of God released in that moment, and this man in that moment is healed and made whole again. So it would be nice if our story just ended there, but I want to say to you that God honors movement. Jesus said to him, see that you tell nobody, silence. Some of us don't do so well with that. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them obedience. You see it here? See, see, if God is going to do this work in our lives, if he's going to bring us to this place of wholeness and healing and completeness, then we have to be obedient and do the move that he wants us to do. If we're going to move from healing, I mean from hurting to healing, we've got to be willing to do our part. There are a lot of people in the church that are happy to have someone to pray for them. There are a lot of people who want everything just to fall into place for them, but they don't want to be obedient to the voice of God. Doesn't work. The two have to go together. We have to say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'm here. I'm willing to do what you would have me do. I'm willing to be obedient to what you've called me to and so his story doesn't end here because he has to now embrace the process. And there's a process for all of us in becoming whole, in becoming clean. If God was to touch your life today and make you whole, there are going to be some things tomorrow you won't be doing anymore that you used to do. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is going to be checking your heart that this is not something that someone who's been made whole and clean and set apart should be doing. And so he is told that he's supposed to be quiet. And now he's supposed to be silent about this. The man has just been totally changed and transformed. And he, he can't run to mama. And he can't run to his wife and kids. And he can't run into the church and tell everybody he's to stay quiet. And he's to go show himself to the priest. He is to make that offering and to show himself to the priest. And he has to be obedient to that. And you can see that Jesus is caring for this man because if you remember, he's caring for him so that he can be now reinserted into community, reinserted into his family, reinserted. It was not just enough for Jesus to pronounce he was clean, but now God needed to do that work in him that he would be totally restored in all aspects. And that's how God works. Amazingly, that's how God works. The amazing thing, too, is I told you that he had to wait and embrace seven days of isolation. <laughs> and then he would get that certificate of cleansing from the priest. Remember I said to you there had been no cleansing of a leopard for 800 years? 
So the priests that would have been there in the temple, this man comes in. They know who he is. He's been the one begging around. He's told her restored and clean. And now he's standing before the priests, and the priests are saying, what do we do? I don't know. Nobody's been healed for 800 years. I guess we're going to have to go into the old scrolls <laughs> and find something because there's a ritual we're supposed to do. And, to, and Well, what do we do? In that moment, it was a testimony to this man, but it was also a testimony of the power of Jesus. Because you have to realize there were promises spoken. Remember I said to you, Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience. And so there was a promise that was spoken. See, the Jews believed that there would be four physical conditions that would happen when the Messiah showed up because it was only God who could do it. And so they believed that when the Messiah showed up, this would be the four things that would happen, and you would know it's the Messiah. The first on the list was heal the leper. Notice it's the first thing Jesus does as he comes down off the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, the second was the casting out of a deaf and dumb spirit. The third was healing birth defects. And the fourth, praise God, was raising the dead. And Jesus did all four of those, and much more. Matthew will tell us in the gospel of 10 wonderful healings that Jesus did, but what Matthew is saying, the one you've been waiting for, the one you've been longing for, Jesus is him. He is the Messiah. He is God, and he is the one who can move you from hurting to healing. And it would be a wonderful witness to the priests and to the Pharisees and to everyone around. My friends, Jesus is our good Samaritan. I've often prayed this over people. I've often seen it and visually as I'm thinking of people who are hurting that while even the religious were hurting and were broken, and it can be relationships, it can be loss, it can be health, it can be all kinds of things. People see us, they walk by us, they don't know. But we feel and can feel like we are like that man at the side of the road, broken, left for dead. No one seems to care. And the religious have even walked past. But I want to say to you today, there is one who comes towards you. And he's walking right into your mess, into your brokenness, into your loss, into your hurt. And he's not walking past. He's walking towards you. And he even binds up your wounds. And he puts you on his donkey. And he brings you to that inn, that safe place of healing. And he pays the price for your complete healing. And he even comes back to check on you. My friends, Jesus is the Good Samaritan. And praise God, he sees us and heals us, much like he did for this man that was broken and bruised on the side of the road, much like he does for us today, like this leper. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Psalm 147.3. Maybe we feel like we're the hopeless outcast. Maybe we feel the finger of God has been on us and there's shame. I want to tell you today that Jesus is reaching, stepping towards you and reaching towards you. 
He wants to touch you. He wants to make you clean. He wants to make you whole. And he demonstrated in no greater way that he was nailed to the cross, paid the price for your freedom, and shed his blood for your cleansing. I give God the praise that he did it for me. And I know that he'll do it for us all if we are willing. Are you willing today to move? To move from hurting to healing? To be cleansed? I love what Matthew 10, 8 says to us. Now we, as the church, are called. We're called to go forth with this healing message of wholeness. And Jesus empowered us and said what our calling is. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. That's our mission. That's our calling. That is what we are now called to do. I'm going to ask the worship team to come.